morning, everybody. Don't for all of you who want to go to uh, Water Christmas Angels to right you. after the service. Uh, uh, she did say that I was going to be mentioning there. And fasting. Or you can see myself, uh, that comes up at the beginning uh, of the year. You know, the end of the year is hitting us really quick, so we kind of need to be ready for what's coming up at the beginning of the year. We are going to, we always do this at the beginning of the year, emphasize prayer for 21 days. We're going to start that on the 4th uh, of January, January 4th. And uh, to help them out in life, and we have been part of that ministry, and we're really excited that we get to go down there and serve in the ministry part of it for their big Christmas party. It's going to be a neat event, and very excited. So if you want to be part of that, just fast for the entire 21 days. Put it in your GPS, and you're welcome to go. Thankful for that. Also, next Sunday is Christmas Sunday. If you've never experienced fasting, fasting is not a way to celebrate the beauty of Christ's birth on Christmas Sunday. So that'll be a very special. Sunday, you won't want to miss it. You want to bring a friend or two with you. Us, uh, and one of the things that we always do is uh, about, uh, ask you to bring your offering that morning, a gift wrap. We always call it the best uh, gift goes to Jesus, and, and we'll do the offering a little we differently. We'll have um, the manger so up here with, the, with days, the nativity on scene, and you'll be able to bring your offering and put it um, in, in there. If you don't have an offering, that's not a problem. We're just glad to have you. Is we're going to do a sundown to sundown fast. So sundown Tuesday night. And up to sundown on Wednesday night, we're going to encourage people to fast. And then and so on we that Wednesday night, and present our we're going to encourage gifts. people to come right things. here we to the church, the and we're going to have a prayer like time. There'll be about a 10-minute devotional, and we'll have a little bit of music as well. But then we are going to sort of teach about prayer, and we're going to spend an hour in prayer for the church, for the future, for the families of this church. And it's going to be a real exciting time. So there'll be three Wednesdays in January that we'll do that. Also, I wanted to, uh, since we're Sunday, facing the new year, it's going to be a great Sunday as well. We're only going to have one service at 1045. Can everybody say 1045 with Something me? That I do, 1045. And I would just like to so those of you who are early morning worshipers, we're so grateful for you, but we're just going to have Bible one combined service, uh, and it's going to be a, a great celebration service. Now, when we're going to have our top... Five that you know, we I, I do. This has kind of become one of our annual traditions where we celebrate the top the five numbers, uh, things you know, from the past like year. And so it's going to be lots but of the way noise that I makers do the, uh, and fun. The Bible through, and it'll be crazy. Uh, Those of you who have been here before, you can spread the good word about what a good time it is. Bible. And we're going to follow from that in straight into our Christmas party. It's kind of between Christmas and New Year, so kind of Christmas, New Year's holiday party. And you'll be asked to bring a dish to share. And we'll have a great time. So we're going to go straight from service into the Christmas party. And going to uh, have a real fun reading, time. And, uh, those crazy skit guys. How many of you all like those crazy skit guys this morning? Was that fun? Yeah. Yeah. They they may be talking. My husband said more about that ten years ago. as no he comes up to preach. But we're just thankful for but each and every one of you and having an app, and it's a free app called YouVersion. YouVersion of the Bible. And if you'll download the free app of the Bible called YouVersion. There's a bunch of free translations of the Bible, and there are Bible reading plans, and one of those plans is the one-year Bible plan. And so if you'll download that, download the one-year Bible, not only can you read the Bible from your phone or whatever, you can listen to it. So I actually listen to the Bible uh, often uh, from my phone uh, to do my daily uh, Bible reading time. And so that's just a wonderful tip that I would share with you as we move into the new year and uh, try to grow spiritually. Uh, I want to encourage uh, many of you to read the Bible. It's a great thing to do, and I just want to encourage you to do that. Okay, we're in our Christmas series called Joy, 
And next week is going to be our Christmas service. I mean, that's going to be where we talk about baby Jesus in the manger and all of that uh, in terms of joy. But we're going to talk today about the lead up to that. So I'm calling this the prequel to Christmas joy. You know, when we think of when we think of the uh, the manger scene, we think of the shepherds and we think of the wise men and we think of baby Jesus and all that. Many people, did you all know that the wise men did not actually show up at the manger? Did you know that? That the wise men actually came years later? Did you know that? That's actually one of those questions I've got for God. Why did he call three wise men? If he'd have called three wise women, they would have been on time. All right? They would have, they would have asked directions, first of all. They would have asked directions. Uh, yeah, and they would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable. They would have brought a casserole. And instead of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they would have brought disposable diapers for Jesus, right? So, But he, he called three wise men, not three wise women. <clears throat> so that's something we'll have to ask him about. <clears throat> We're talking about joy, and I think <clears throat> it kind of begs the question, uh, would somebody mind turning the lights up in the auditorium? I can't see you guys. I know you're out there. Hey, how you doing? I see you waving your hand at the back at me. All right. What is the difference between joy and happiness? Joy and happiness. You, you know, I think a lot of people equate those two things, don't they? Joy and happiness. You know that, ah, what's the happy song, you know? Come along if you think that happiness is, you know, that's happy. We all, we all know what happiness is, and we want to be happy and smiley and feel good, and, and, and I love to be happy. But joy is different than happiness. Joy is described by the ancient Greeks as the culmination of being. Um, if you're taking notes uh, in, in your bulletin, it's joy is called the good mood of the soul. Some of you don't even know you have a soul, but you have a soul. Your soul has nothing to do with how you're feeling, but it, but it's way down deep inside. And I remember one time I was at a I was in a spiritual retreat, and we had to do a twenty four hours of silence. And uh, one of the things that the professor said to us, he said, about eight hours into this, you're going to become aware that you have a soul. Sometimes there's so much noise and so much talk in our lives that we, we're not even aware that we have a soul. The, the soul is, is down there where, where, where everything is silent. When all, of the, when all of the noise goes away, what's sort of left there is your, is your soul. And joy is, 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 is a well-being in your soul. Um, happiness is external. Um, and, and happiness, by the way, comes from the Greek word hap, uh, which means luck. You know, kind of like good fortune, good luck. So happiness comes and go based, based on good fortune or good luck. But, but joy is not external. Joy is internal. Now, I thought this was interesting. To the ancient Greeks, the opposite of joy is not sadness, but fear. The opposite of joy is fear. And so joy is, is being able to face very difficult circumstances and, uh, w- without paralyzing kinds of fear because there's something deep on the inside that is sustaining you. Joy is what, 
what in, in the song It Is Well With My Soul is what Spafford wrote about when he said, when peace like a river attends my way. In other words, in good times, when everything's great, when, when everything's as calm as can be, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, even when things are rough, when times are tough, um, he said, it is well with my soul. And so joy is about that, that wellness of soul. And, and, and what I want to say to us this morning as we, as we talk about the lead up to, to Christmas, the fullness of joy, that no matter what circumstances you're going through in life right now, you can have joy. You can have joy in the middle of difficulties. You can have joy whether you're going through a good time in life because joy, because joy has nothing to do with the circumstances that are going on around you. And before we even pick up the Bible this morning, because we're going to be reading from, from Luke's gospel, the first chapter, we need to know what happened between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament because we sang in a song this morning that there were 400 years of silence. What does that mean by 400 years of silence? Really, there's a 400-year period from the book of Malachi in your Bible till the, the New Testament when the Gospels start that, that we know very, very little about. It wasn't that nothing was happening, but, but, there was, but, but it was a time, and I want to describe that time period before we open our Bible. It was a time of great loss. That's the first point uh, this morning under the prequel to Christmas Joy. It was a time of loss. Uh, what I mean by loss is that Israel had lost their national status. They had been overtaken and they were and they had been there was a series of of conquerors that had come in and 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 uh, what we know about that period of history is that the Jews had become far flung to every corner of the earth at every place that there was a country there were Jews there that it was called the diaspora they were dispersed all over the world and it was a time of great loss and, and what I want to talk about in this culmination of soul by the way um um they considered, the Greeks considered that joy was not a rookie virtue. Joy was something that, that, that of veterans in spirituality. And, and so joy isn't just something like the first day that you, you find Jesus, you necessarily get it completely. Because when we first find Jesus, we just expect that, you know, every prayer that we pray is going to be answered and all of these, you know, now that I'm living for Jesus, everything's going to go well. But joy is actually produced in difficult circumstances. And so here's a circumstance of loss. They've lost their, their national status. And, and, and they, they'd lost their temple practice of bringing their sacrifices. And so prayer had, had replaced uh, the sacrifices that had been denied to them. And instead of national status, they had to focus on personal piety, just living right rather than that, that we're, we're just God's people because we're the nation of Israel. They couldn't say that anymore because now they're dispersed all over the world. And so, and so it, it was a time of great, great loss. Um, I, w- I was thinking about uh, this joy in loss experience uh, in my own life, and I was thinking about a time specifically when uh, my wife and I left our denomination, now you may think, well, that's no big deal. People change churches all the time. But when we left our denomination, it was a big deal because we belonged to one of those denominations that thought we were the right denomination. And not only that, our families thought it was the right denomination. And so leaving our denomination was actually leaving our families in a sense. 
there was a time period where our pictures were taken off the walls. Um, um, friends quit calling us uh, during that time. I, I remember uh, looking forward when uh, salespeople would call the house just so I'd have somebody to talk to, you know. Uh, it, was, it was just a, it was a difficult uh, time of life. And probably the lowest point for me was, was there was a family celebration. It was a wedding of, of one of the family members. And uh, Melanie was said that she could go to the wedding, but I was asked not to attend the wedding because I had taken Melanie out of this denomination, and it had to be my fault, right? Uh, so, uh, so I was asked not to be at this wedding. It was not a happy time in our life. And what I'm saying to you is that joy is different than happiness. And what I remember about that wedding is that, that, that Melanie didn't want to go to the wedding. If I wouldn't go to, the, go to the wedding, but I said, no, Melanie, you need to go to the wedding. It's family. You need to be there. I'm not going to disturb the wedding. I won't be at the wedding, but you be at the wedding, blah, blah, blah. So I remember very vividly that wedding because, because I was thinking about the wedding as they were there, and everyone was dressed up in dresses and tuxedos and suits. And I was not at the wedding, and I was in my ragged jeans. I, I, I went to get my oil changed while they were at the wedding. And I'm sitting in the waiting room of an oil change place while, while, they're, getting, while they're at the wedding. And so I can't say it was a happy time in my life, but something very strange occurred to me during that time. I was sitting in the waiting room of an oil change, rapid oil change kind of place, knowing that they're at the wedding, and I remember just being overwhelmed by unspeakable joy. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy not to be at the wedding and all that. But somewhere inside of me, deep down inside of me, there was just that sense that, you know what? I may not be at the wedding, but it is well with my soul. You can have joy in the middle of loss. Jenny Castleberry uh, from our church uh, probably be here at the second service. But Jenny, uh, just uh, a couple weeks ago, had her thyroid removed. They weren't expecting to find anything, but they found cancer. And I'm talking to Jenny about it. I'm, I'm almost expecting her to be devastated. And Jenny's like, you know what? I beat cancer before. It's no big deal. I haven't even scheduled my follow-up. I'm going to do it. Don't worry about it. But you know what? It's okay because I know God's got me and he's got this. And it, it was just kind of an unspeakable joy in the middle of a time when you shouldn't have joy. We, we had a missionary that, that came to our church this last year. He's my age. And he came to the, the church this past year, and he was from Kenya. And my wife and I were getting ready to go to Kenya. So we made arrangements that we would meet him in Kenya, and he would be sort of our tour guide through Kenya and Sure enough, he did, and they were wonderful. And Pastor Harden, some of you remember him, he and his wife, and they had a, an Ethiopian daughter that they had uh, adopted. But we were with them in Kenya, just had a wonderful time, ministered with them. And, you know, shortly after we returned from Kenya, they were called back to the United States. They'd been in, in Kenya for over 20-some years, and uh, their visa actually uh, was not being renewed in Kenya. They had problems with the government. So they were going to have to return home. Uh, they returned home. He had survived malaria multiple times. He comes back to the United States. He got home at Thanksgiving of this year. Two weeks later, he got the flu. He died two nights ago. 
Larry Harden died two nights ago. I, it's just un, unexplicable to me that, that this guy that I just spent this time with is one of my new friends. We play words with friends on the, on the phone. We're in the middle of a game of words with friends right now. And he gets, you know, he survives malaria in Kenya many, many times. He comes to the U.S. and dies at Emory University Hospital this past week of the flu. And, you know, I, I see his wife posting about the man of God that he was and the work that he did. And I know that they're grieving, and I know that there's no happiness to be found there right now. But I'm telling you, in the middle of all of that, there is still joy. The other thing before we pick up the scripture is the silence, silence from God. One of the things about the 400 years, there, are, there is history written between those 400 years. Actually, the apocryphal books uh, that some Bibles contain, the Catholic Bible contains the apocryphal books. That's history that occurred in those 400 years between Malachi and the New Testament. But even though that there was history, there was really no prophetic, fresh words from the Lord. So, so 400 years without, without God saying anything. The silence of God. And, um, and one of the things that, that, that as, we, as we think about joy and, and part of the maturing of us as believers in Jesus this morning is being faithful through times of silence. How many of you have ever experienced the silence of God? Where it's just like, you know, there's sometimes when you go to church, you just feel, you know, I just feel the presence of the Lord. We say those kind of things. You know, I, I was touched by my mother Teresa who confessed at the end of her life that, she went through many, many years not experiencing anything from God. She's serving in the streets of Calcutta, but she was experiencing the silence of God. Now pick up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now this touches me because God's been silent for 400 years. And here they are living righteously. The Bible says that they were living blameless, righteous lives. One of the, one of the, one of the prequels of joy and one of the ingredients of joy is that there is faithfulness without fruitfulness. Faithfulness without fruitfulness. We're living at a time when it feels like, you know, when we go to church, we better be entertained or we're going to find another church that will entertain us, you know what I mean? If we don't experience something, if we don't feel something, if Phil's not funny this morning, you know, if the music's just not right, we can go somewhere else where it is. But you know what? Joy is produced in just walking it out and being faithful and showing up when you don't feel it and just, just being faithful Faithful even when you're not fruitful. Now, I don't know about you. I want to be fruitful. I want my life to bear fruit. And, and, and I didn't move to Knoxville not to be fruitful. I want to see, you know, and we're, and we're seeing fruit. We're seeing new folks coming to the Lord and all of that. I'm real excited about that. But you know what? God asks us to be faithful whether we're fruitful or not. I, and I know this isn't like feel-good kind of preaching because I'm talking about I'm talking about stuff this morning. But I, I want to I tell you that, that when I went to class, I found that when I was in the university that, that and I, I don't want to say this too loudly to you students, but I didn't always read the textbook. You know, I didn't always read every, you know. I mean, they assign you like, please read 600 pages before next class. Well, that's one class and you got four classes, you know. I can't do that. 
But you know one thing I did? I showed up. And one of the things that I've learned in life is that half of the battle is showing up. If I show up in class, you, you never know. Something might, might not happen today. It might not happen the next day. But something's going to happen. You know, one of those days, you just keep showing up. You keep showing up. You keep showing up. Finally, something comes through, you know. And so here, here, here is uh, Zachariah, and he's just, he and his wife, they're just showing up. They don't, they don't feel anything. There's, there's no Jesus yet. You know, there's no, there, there's no, um, there's no visible sign that, that things are, that, that God's going to speak. But you know what? I read in my Bible that, that the Messiah is coming, and so I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to show up. And so they were faithful without fruitfulness. I appreciate salt of the earth people who gut it out in times when it's not fruit, not fruitful, but they're faithful anyway. Faithful anyway. And then uh, continuing to read, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So not only were they not fruitful, but they were barren. And barren means more than not fruitfulness. It means that uh, there's not even, even any prospects. There's no sign that things are going to be getting better because uh, he was singing to his wife, the old gray mare just ain't what she used to be. You know, he, That wasn't in my notes and I shouldn't have said it. But anyway, uh, she, <laughs> she was past... She was past childbearing years. Things were, you know, things were not looking good. There wasn't, there wasn't much hope of good things to come. And it wasn't just her. It was him too. He was no spring chicken. And then you look at verse 8. I just love this. It says, once when Zachariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. The commentaries I read said that the, 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 the chances that his division was on duty and the fact that his lot was chosen to be the one to burn incense in the, the, the synagogue that morning, the, the chances were once in a lifetime. So this is something that would have happened to him once in a lifetime. And when the time for burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. What were they praying? I think they were praying the Old Testament prayer. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Rescue us, God. We've been, we've been taken over. We've been in bondage. We've been, things aren't going well, Lord. Just come, Emmanuel. Send, you promised that you'd send a Savior. And, and old Zechariah, he would get in a personal request. And Lord, if it's possible... Could you move on my old wife? You know what I'm talking about. And give us a son. Joy is formed in times when prayers aren't answered. Unanswered prayers. You know, I talked about Larry Harden. His wife, a couple days before he died, sent me an inbox. Please pray for my husband. He's been... He's on the ventilator. He's got the flu, and it's turned into pneumonia and pleurisy. And man, we prayed, but not only were we praying, people are praying in Kenya. They're praying all over the world. How many of you ever had a prayer that wasn't answered the way you wanted it to be answered? Prayers unanswered. This is the prequel to Christmas joy. This is the stuff that goes into before the baby gets to the manger. 
And then in verse 11, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he wet his pants. No, it doesn't say that. It says, I, but I think he might have. He, he was startled and gripped with fear. No one was supposed to be in there. And he runs into this angel. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you're to call his name John. He's going to be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. This, this is coming like a machine gun. He's going to do all the... What? My, you know what? I, what? <laughs> and, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah. What? To turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient, the wisdom to the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. One thing that happens during times when joy is being produced is that you hear unlikely words from the Lord. You, you know, you come and, and you know, you know, you just you're used to things not working out, and and suddenly, you know, you, you hear the preacher on Sunday morning say, "And I just believe that God's going to get ready to move, and He's going to do things at Life Church, and we're believing that God's going to." Fill this house and all that, and you're like, yada, 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 yada. Or some of you have been praying, you know, I was, I was, I was thinking, uh, Irene, we've been praying for your, your brother, you know, we've been praying for your brother for a long time, yada, 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 believing for great things to happen for your brother. And then a couple weeks ago, great things happened in your brother's life. During this time when, when joy is being formed, you hear these unlikely words from the Lord, and and He says He says something um, that I I kind of get. Zechariah asked the angel, "How can I be sure of this?" Or one translation says, "How can these things be?" I'm an old man, and my wife was well along in years. The angel said to him, "Because I'm Gabriel." and I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak this to you and tell you this good news, and now you'll be silent and not be able to speak until the day that this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Another aspect that goes into this whole thing is doubt. Zechariah doubts. Well, we've got doubting Thomas. We've got doubting Zacharias. But that's okay. God comes to doubters. In doubt, in doubt are the seeds of faith. And he's saying, how can these things be? You know, I read this passage, I read this whole passage, and, and just down the, down the chapter we, we, we see Mary saying, how will these things be? When the angel tells Mary that she's going to have a baby. And, and, uh, and Zechariah, he, he gets slapped with a, um, a gag over his mouth. He can't talk. Mary, on the other hand, gets an explanation. Zachariah says, how can these things be? And Mary says, how will these things be? And she gets an explanation, and he gets a gag. But, you know, the more I read it, the more, the more clear that it became that Mary was a little bit different than even Zacharias because, because Zachariah said, how can these things be? And Mary said, how will these things be? And I studied it in the Greek, and 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 he's saying, he's saying that it's 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 impossible. And Mary was saying, by what means is this going to happen? Because because Joe and I aren't married, you know, and you're telling me I'm going to have a son. So he's saying, she's saying, by what means? Is, in other words, she's saying, 
she believes. I just don't know how you're going to do this, Lord. Zechariah, he doesn't quite believe it. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know that God necessarily shut his mouth as sort of a punishment for not believing. I think he shut his mouth in some, for some reason so that he wouldn't go spreading that doubt. And once his mouth is shut, it makes him believe in him even more because he's got a sign now that it's happened. But, but, you know, sometimes, how many know that sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut? You know, that, 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 that you know, uh, there, there's hope on the horizon and it's hard for us to receive. And if we're not careful, we can go spreading doubt. And um, Mary, on the other hand, puts herself on a self-imposed quiet time where she ponders these things in her heart. So let's skip down to Mary. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call his name Jesus. He'll be great, and you'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel explains, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. So he's saying, Mary, I want you to know something. I know this is hard to put your brain around, but Elizabeth is pregnant, which is a sign. Great things can happen. I know this is even greater than what's going to happen in Elizabeth's case, but but just just as a sign to you, I want you to know that Elizabeth is is starting to show. She's showing six months pregnant. That's that's when you start showing. Elizabeth is showing, and great things are going to happen to you. Listen to this: for no word of the Lord. ever fail. Joy is believing that God will do what he said he was going to do. And so this isn't in your notes, but one thing I would add to this is in joy there's expectation. And I want to say to us, Life Church, I'm expecting like Elizabeth and I'm expecting like Mary. There's already signs. There's already signs that God is going to do great things in life, church. You know what the sign to me is? We're starting to show. That we're starting to show. There's there's signs around here. New people are finding Jesus. God's doing great things. We're beginning to show. Believe. Believe this good report. That, that God's not finished with us yet. How many believe that? God's not finished with us yet. Best days are still ahead. God's going to do great things. So I'm going to continue to declare faith because I believe God called us here, yes, to be faithful, but also to be fruitful. And eye hasn't seen nor ear heard, neither has entered in the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. So I'm just going to keep walking that out. When my prayers aren't answered, I'm going to keep walking that out, Taylor. When, when there's loss, I'm going to keep walking that out. 
You know, I, I stand up here on Sunday morning speaking faith. Maybe you think that, you know, my life is just uh, every day is a holiday and every meal is a feast. My wife, my mother, was just diagnosed with breast cancer. She's going to Northwest University Hospital this Wednesday. We don't know what the doctor's going to say. There's going to be surgery. Lymph nodes are going to be checked. We don't know everything that's going to come out. My mother, my mother last Sunday morning, you know, we've been texting her, love you, Mom, we're praying for you. My mother texted me last Sunday morning. Here was her text. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for praying for me last night. I slept all night long and had a great sleep. Why is that? Is it because she's happy? No, she's not happy right now. But there's joy. There's joy inside. And, and there's expectation going on. And so the last thing that I want to say, and this is Mary's response, and that is that she was open to the gift of God. Mary was open to the gift of God. Openness to the gift of God is the prequel to joy. And what was Mary saying? Mary was saying, you know, if this is true, if I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah and she's prophesied over, she knows that it's not all going to be fun. That little boy that she's going to deliver, she's going to watch him die. But she said, you know what? It's going to be so exciting to be the mother of Jesus. I'll take the joy. I'll take the good times. I'll take the bad times. I'm open to the gift of God. Thank you.